0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. What would you say to the person listening right now who's struggling putting a plan together for like next month? You created a multiple year exit strategy for your job, which included the last two or three years where you didn't need to be there financially, but you chose to be there strategically for the future self. What would you say to the person right now struggling with just making a plan for next month? What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast, coming to you today with my brother, my man,
1: Bryant Dawson.
0: How we doing, man?
1: I'm good, Chaz, man. Thanks for having me on,
0: yeah, dude. I'm so like thankful for this connection because it came organically, which I love organic relationships. I talk about it a lot here on the show, but, you know, because someone had gotten value from knowing me and someone had gotten value from knowing you, we made the connection. So I appreciate that. And actually, it's really funny, that person that I was that connected us, I was just telling you a story about someone else that gotten some value. and I just, in my mind, clicked it. it was the same person that connected us. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Anyway, no big deal. Brian, tell us what kind of business that you
1: Yeah, man. I was, I was originally a former oil and gas project manager, traveled all over the world doing that. Spent tons and tons of my time doing that. So I didn't have any time yeah. to do anything else. And now what we do is, is fully vertical integration through real estate. So we have everything from the construction business to the property management, to the real estate brokerage, then to our capital side.
0: Yeah. He said that super humbly and low key. Dude is over there. He's got divisions of armies over there, just doing work and buying properties, managing properties. You got all kinds of stuff going on, man. So, I'll I'll toot the extra little tune there for you on your horn there. Okay,
1: appreciate. It. <laughs> I appreciate.
0: Well, in all seriousness, you're you're a real estate king, and in, even inside of that, I love how you just pointed out. Obviously, you have a construction, a pretty large construction portion of that business, and so you're going to be able to speak from angles of experience in multiple different industries. Which is what the show's all about, man. This is where I come from as well. Before we get rolling into your story, Brian, I, I want to know. We talked about this briefly on the phone when we talked a month or two ago, whenever that was originally. But I want to know what the heartbeat is of Brian. Like, why do you wake up? Like, what's the deep, deep burning desire in you?
1: Yeah, man, that's a good question. I live for a family. Family first. That's that's our our thing. in through all of our businesses and kind of oil and gas is kind of the same way. Yeah. So. That's that's my, that's my burning thing is, is on the reason I created all the businesses and all the success that I've I've created is all been through trying to, trying to create more time and mainly more time freedom for for me and my family.
0: Why do you think that basically that's your answer is what I want to know, but why do you think that family or specifically time freedom with your family is what keeps you up? And what pushes you so hard? Like, why, why is that the case?
1: Yeah. Well, we had our kids very young and jumped right into the workforce. And I worked a job working 84 to to 100 hours a week, seven days a week. And I went, did that for, for eight straight years with really no breath in between it and you start to realize that that's not what it's about. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you had no time freedom.
1: None whatsoever. No, we were working about 330 days on the road a year. Wow. Pretty much lived in the fifth wheel all the time and traveled around 40 different states, nine countries.
0: Wow. Okay. So your own circumstances, it didn't necessarily come from like your parents or depravity in that way, but you literally didn't have what you wanted. So you said, I got to have it.
1: Got to have it, man.
0: I created it. You did all that with kids too, man. Yeah. Eighty four to hundred hours a week, three hundred thirty three days on the road. Give us a little snapshot of that. What was that like? I'm sure that that was rough on your wife and the kids, but
1: yeah. What does it look well, like? I now? mean, so we homeschooled. We made that okay. decision really early on. We were doing that before homeschool was cool. Yeah. So we, thank God, my wife was was there with me. So we had a had a fifth wheel. We traveled all around with, and my. Wife and kids travel with me, so giving us yeah. that family freedom. Yeah, uh, so I loved. I love
0: That's just such a simple answer. They came with me. That's,
1: he, we, but it's so we profound. Did, <laughs> we did try it to where they would stay, and it's so hard to do that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And not to take away from your <laughs> your family, your wife, and your kids living in a fifth bill for eight years. Like I, I'm sure that was a challenge in itself. I've lived in a trailer at points in my life, and I'm not trying to live in a trailer again, but let alone with family and young kids. So I guess what I'm saying is that, wow, first off, but you made it through. And then the simplicity of your answer there, I'm going to come back to this later when we talk about family, but you just integrated the two. You said, hey, come along with. You still were obviously at work and you had to do your thing, but you made the most of the situation given the grind that you were on. What do you think your kids have now because of that experience that they wouldn't have maybe if you didn't? Do all that
1: they have a profound drive. Right? Both both of my kids are very driven. My my daughter graduated high school a year early. My son has he's pursuing a music career right now, and he's just unbelievably driven in that. So I think that allowed them to see every single day. I was at four or five o'clock in the morning doing my thing. And work 12, 16 hour days to get back and and, yeah. and do it all over again every single day. My, my kids are very understanding of that. Understanding that, that life life isn't free and have a very good drive for that. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think that they have
0: now, now that you've been able to create time freedom for yourself?
1: Man, that's a tough one. I don't know. We still work like crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. You just do it because you want to.
1: Yeah, obviously we we have we have goals, we have missions, we have KPIs that we try to hit. And but we have a lot of fun too. We get to travel kind of on our own accord and, and nobody really tells us where we're going to be and when we're going to be there or when we have to be back.
0: Yeah, love that. All right, well let's get into I appreciate you kind of going let me press on you a little bit on your why. I just think your circumstances have we all have the story of as entrepreneurs, things that we've sacrificed, given up, but you've just got such a stark, like here's where we were and here's where we are now. It's just pretty, pretty different, even though you're still high quality work ethic to the max probably, but that's, that's entrepreneurs. And and really as the guys or gals listening right now that are maybe in a lower point in their business and they're thinking just one day, maybe I'll sit on the beach. That really doesn't exist. It's more of a, I just get to go to the beach whenever I want, but I love to build. That's why you're building a business. And so you're just in the early stages. Maybe later you have a little bit more time freedom like Bryant, but then it comes down to obsession and desires and goals and bigger targets and and living a fulfilled purpose driven life. Okay. Tell us, tell us a little bit more of your story. I want to get into some practicals here, decision-making, that type of a thing, but you were in oil and gas for eight years and you transitioned to real estate. Tell us about the transition. Was it abrupt? Was it quick? Did you, did you keep your job while you were doing it on the side? Give us that story.
1: Yeah, so a hundred percent, and that's why I said I traveled for eight full years, to kind of doing this thing, and then at some point in time there, I, I was I was interested in other things. I just didn't know what it was, right? And and in about two thousand twelve or thirteen, I kind of started looking at it, and then two thousand fourteen really started trying to make a decision there, and in from two thousand fourteen two thousand fifteen range, I really did a lot of studying and trying to figure out what that thing was sure. and still working my my same job and everything, but I, I had kind of gotten to a point where I was a lot higher in level management. So I had a little bit more time freedom, a little bit more flexibility there. So it gave me a little bit more time to look at some other things. Yeah, And then 2016 was really the year that I, I started buying a lot of real estate. and And that was 2016. I started tapering off the amount that I would spend on the road and mm-hmm. it was like, okay, this year I'm going to take 60 days off and then I'm going to try to take 90 days off next year. And then I'm going to try to take, of course, I had a retirement as well that I was trying to keep active.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah.
1: I fully, wasn't fully vested yet. Yeah. I had to work the last three years. I only had to work 30 days a year to to keep active. Wow. So last Last few years were definitely the hardest years because they were not needed. I didn't, I didn't need mm. to be out there, but
0: Interesting. I
1: was trying to keep that, that retirement at
0: Got it. I was going to say, so why were you? But that was, that was the main reason.
1: Yeah. That was the only reason. Cause I had, I had to finish a certain amount of hours in order to get a hundred percent vested.
0: Yeah. To be vested. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously there's strategy there, right? Like you sat down probably with your wife. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you sat down, you put together a plan. Obviously it was multiple years. What would you say to the person listening right now? Who's like struggling, putting a plan together for like next month, like you created a multiple year exit strategy for your job, which included the last two or three years where you didn't need to be there financially, but you chose to be there strategically for the future self, you, your kids, maybe even your grandkids. Or maybe you took all that money invested in the real estate and then, then the real estate's part of the, the legacy. But either way, it was, a, it was a much bigger move than you in that moment because you didn't need it, like you said. But what would you say to the person right now struggling with just making a plan for next month?
1: Yeah, plan, plans are very, very important. But I've always been this way. And I, I thank my oil and gas career for this because whenever we go in to do a job, the first thing that you're always thinking about is, is how do we get out? If yeah. there's an emergency, how do we get out? So all of my plans, all the time, every time, are all planned around exit. First thing that you have to know whenever you're creating a plan for me is where am I trying to go? If I'm trying to go to go go to Washington D.C., I don't just jump in a in a vehicle and start driving to Washington State, right? Right. Uh, and so you have to know what that exit is, and and kind of have a yeah. general idea, and then. The stuff in between is, is maybe good, maybe bad. You make some mistakes along the way, but you learn from those, right?
0: Yeah, you do. And we're definitely going to get into that. This is, I couldn't have planned a better segue, but what I'm hearing you say, and the the, kind of the point that I'm trying to make to the listener really is that even in a scenario where you're exiting a job, this could be, you were exiting a business. This could be exiting a, a, one of your, one of your portfolio assets. This is the thing that you do when you want to do something bigger in the future. And so sometimes it's not just like, oh, I'm leaving my job, or oh, I'm gonna sell a property, or oh, I'm gonna fill in the blank. We've gotta have a little bit of vision, which you did, obviously. You started thinking, man, this is, this is a lot. This is rough. I don't want this for my family. I'm sure that's probably where it started. Your wife was probably knocking at the door going, hey, do we ever get you? So that then stemmed this whole vision and conversation around what, what else is out there? How, what else could I do? And, and then it comes to fruition, even into the last couple of years. That's what I love about it the detail of your story. What to, I'm going to transition here into good and bad decisions because you've laid it up. You softballed it for me. What was a good decision? We've just talked about planning, but give us like something super practical. You did this, and it gave you this result, or it gave you a result that you would do over and over and over again, something that we can go apply to our businesses.
1: Yeah, so a great decision from, from my side. Now, I tell my team this and everybody that anybody that comes on my team And and just people around me is, is getting started. That was probably the most simple thing that I could do. Cause I spent, I really did spend quite a lot of time thinking about it and thinking about it and putting together I'm a big spreadsheet guy. So I put together spreadsheets and kind of planned it out and uh, you go on with that for a while and they kind of call it analysis paralysis, right? right? Yeah. Just you got to get started. You got to, you got to start somewhere and uh, you're going to make mistakes along the way, but just getting started.
0: Yeah. 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 There's an overthinking to what we do. And probably you've experienced this even after you jumped where you've overthought a situation. Is this continued okay. for you where you've had to kind of like fight this off? <laughs>
1: It's continual, and and I remember buying my buying my first property, and, and that's like, oh, is that a mistake? I don't know. And then you sell whenever we we flipped our first property. We started flipping, and in initially, we flipped our first property, and you make a little bit of money. You are like, oh yeah, that wasn't a mistake. And least... then I remember buying my first portfolio of properties. I am like, man, and the guy that I bought it from, we did some creative finance stuff on the deal, and and he said, how many how many properties can you take on? I was like we'll see. I don't (laughs) remember the first one I bought. I was like, man, this might've been a mistake, but it worked out well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was having a conversation with somebody this morning, actually. It's funny how certain connections that you have tend to connect early in the morning. I'm usually working out and maybe they are too, but we're like, Hey, what, what do you think about this? Or going back and forth. And it was a very similar conversation, which is how, how do I, not necessarily, how do I know that I made the right choice, but it's like, it in for his case it was more of a like man, things are really working out, and how do I know this is gonna last? And how do I know that? Because that's in essence it's the same lane of decision making, which is is this gonna all work out? What's the end gonna look like? And I think that generally speaking, it's worked out for the most part with everything that I've done. Now that doesn't mean that you just do whatever, and it's all gonna work, uh, but. Inside of those decisions where you kind of questioned yourself, that first property that you flipped, the first portfolio company, when you left your job, I'm sure there was a little bit of a like, I don't know, but it was backed by some research and some conviction around knowledge and detail and expertise. And, and maybe it was yours, maybe it was someone else's that was speaking into the deal, we we still have to overcome that, but it's, but it's overcome with confidence and knowledge and and data. Would you agree? I'd
1: agree a hundred percent. Yeah. There's there's definitely every decision that every decision that you have has a cause and an effect right yeah uh, and you just have to make some good decisions there and really deduce the situation and decide is the outcome of this going to be good or bad and does it right. does it move the needle enough to make it worthwhile some yep. sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't and uh, yeah i think that's very important to to really assess the situation and, and don't take those decisions lightly. Yeah. Move, qu- move quickly at the same
0: time. Yeah, that's it's a, there's a nuance there to that because like you said earlier, you can overthink the worst case scenario. I'm the same way as you, where I'm like, okay, let's put all the cards out on the table. What is the worst case scenario? Okay, I've got a situation here where it maybe it all burns down, the property, whatever. Like, what's the absolute worst? I want to know worst case scenario times 10 and I want to not necessarily plan for that, I want to have that in the mind and I want to have a couple of contingencies going, if the direction starts to go that way, what's my game plan? Not necessarily planning for that, but having a game plan for it. And then to your point, then I can really press into, okay, well, I'm going to make this work, right? And so I think underneath that, what we're both saying, there's like, there's a resoluteness or a definiteness to our decision-making where it's like, maybe we're not like 100% certain that it's going to work out, but we're 100% certain that we're going to figure it out
1: right oh yeah 100% that's probably been my saving grace through everything that I've ever done right i'm willing to admit that i don't know everything always have been really really open to that fact and it's good it's true <laughs> yeah but chaz wolf comes to me and asks me a hard question which i like hard questions and i don't know the answer i'm i'm not opposed to saying hey man i don't know the answer to that but i'm going to find it Right. And and that, that I will do. I will find the answer to, or or somebody that does know the answer and bring them in and, and. uh... Yeah.
0: Love that. Yeah. There's a lot of qualities and principles that you've dropped on us here. I hope the listeners taking notes because although again, although simple, very profound, what was a bad choice that you've made? You've obviously done a lot of deals. Most of them I'm sure have worked out, but there's been also moments in those deals. Tell us about a moment where it just not, it was not a great scenario.
1: All in all, I think real estate has been really, really good for me, and I haven't had any like majorly bad deals in that, but one thing that I do know that we did wrong in the kind of over the years was we we kind of planned this exit from from oil and gas and and our real estate journey happened relatively quickly to where to where we were we replaced my income in in a short amount of time. And and our construction side was probably the biggest driver for for that because Mm. there are very few operations that provide property management, construction, and kind of the operations and the entire thing kind of mixed together. Yeah. So that was a driver for our growth. But we kind of lost sight. We kind of put our construction on autopilot just a little bit. Mm. and it was it was clipping along really well and and we didn't plan for for pivot as well as what we should have i've always been a big fan of of being nimble being able to pivot relatively quickly sure and and COVID 19 changed a lot in the construction industry right however you view that 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 whole thing it changed a whole lot from pricing and sourcing materials to Getting decent guys and the cost of those guys, and, and that's being right, able to perform and get projects done. That's probably the biggest mistake I've ever made. Was was kind of distancing myself further and further back from from day to day activity and not keeping a super super great pulse on a major component of our business.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a principle underneath that decision, basically of like you said, autopilot or Set it and forget it, or a lot of see a lot of salespeople do this when they have a big month, and then what happens next month? Everything blows up. Same thing for small entrepreneurs because that's basically what they are too, as salespeople. And so you have to keep consistent. So, what did you learn inside of that? Obviously, you learned to be consistent, to not like look away, to always have attention. But what's underneath that that you could have kept doing, or what would what did you miss out on if you had? if you had been doing what you should have been doing, paying attention.
1: Well, I guess miss out on is just money. And, and sure. at the end of the day, and well, bigger bigger than money is like, is like, what did we lose in time? Yeah. And, and from a sent back perspective, we obviously couldn't have changed COVID-19 from happening. You couldn't have changed what, what did right. happen from material sourcing and things like, those things we couldn't change. But we, what we could have done better is we had a, a massive amount of, of clientele projects at the time, and a lot of those fell off the books. So instead of, we could have pivoted and said, okay, we're going to buy a portfolio to keep 30 or 40 guys busy on, right. this, on these portfolio properties. We could have done that, but we weren't looking at that close enough and, mm-hmm. and just honestly didn't know what was going to happen there for sure.
0: Yeah, nobody did. And so you can look back today with clear eyes and go, I should have, but you didn't, or yeah. you, you did something different. Right. But yeah, that's the beauty of looking back or reflection. It's the beauty of these questions that I get to ask entrepreneurs, which is, okay, well, you made the good decision. What'd you learn from it? Okay, you made the bad decision. What'd you learn from it? Because there's going to be another big decision today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's next week. Maybe there's another COVID-19. I don't know, but this is how we win in business is not only making good decisions, but having a track record of good decisions. It's also probably how you've grown so quickly as well as with number of investors and people that trust you that wanna come work for you. Like you can't build teams, whether it's investors or teams of construction guys even, if you don't have a history of good decisions because they look at you and they're like, I don't know, I don't know what he's gonna do. Okay, what sort of process, if any, that, that you have around good decision making. Like something comes across your desk today, maybe it's a portfolio, maybe it's a, an employment issue. How do you make that decision?
1: Yeah, so I I I always make a decision relatively quickly. i I've kind of always done that, good good or bad, because what I found is that time is is the killer, right? So we can take two weeks to make a decision that we could have made in ten seconds. And yep. we, and most likely you already had made the decision. Most likely seconds. the decision is going to be the same in two weeks as it is today. Make that decision today. Don't spend the extra time on that thing and just pull, that pulls time forward and allows you to move sure. faster. So if you get two weeks down the road and you made the wrong decision, now, hey, now we can work on, on correcting the decision that you made that was wrong. But a big majority of the time, whether that's a portfolio or if it's a, if it's an employment deal, if you just, if you delay the inevitable, I've tried to do it in the past and it just, it bites you in the butt most of the time. Yeah.
0: Hey, Chaz Wolf here. As many of you know, I have been on an absolute mission to help entrepreneurs from all across the country in many different industries, level up their game and grow their business and intentionally connect with other entrepreneurs. We do that obviously through the podcast, but we also have a peer-to-peer mastermind group specifically for seven- to nine-figure business owners. We are bringing some of the best and most successful entrepreneurs and minds together in a regular and super intentional way to not only grow our network, but to be able to leverage. And At a certain point in business, success becomes about leverage, leveraging time, leveraging resources, leveraging key relationships. This is exactly what we're doing inside of the peer-to-peer mastermind group called Gathering the Kings, specifically for seven- to nine-figure business owners. So if that's you, if you're ready to level up your seven- to nine-figure business even to the next level and get around other big hitters just like you, I want you to go to GatheringTheKings.com, fill out a short application, and uh, it'll come to an application uh, call with me, and I want to chat with you to see if it might be a good fit. Talk soon. Yeah, exactly. That's good. The... Speed is your friend. A lot of times the, the caveat to speed or, or someone's pushback to speed is that quality goes down. And I, I think that there's a, a limiting belief there. It can be true. I'm not saying that it, that doesn't exist. I'm saying that there's a limiting belief that they can't go together. You just described everything that I'm talking about. However, I'm sure there's been some decisions that you've made quickly and you go, oh, bummer. But then what do you do in that scenario?
1: You keep moving, what do you do? Yeah, you just keep, keep moving forward. You, you have to, I'm sitting here thinking about those, those decisions that I've, I've made quickly and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that was a bad decision. Um, but you, you're going to make bad decisions, right? Yeah. But th- the goal is that you make more good decisions than you do bad. And then, and then it, it can't be 50, 50 because you don't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's right. It has to be like 80, 20 or something like that. So if you make 20% mm-hmm. of your decisions are bad decisions. And it didn't take up very much of your time. The eighty percent should outweigh it and, and you're gonna right. be further ahead in in the in yeah. the long run.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about investing, right? Like you're talking about investing or compounding good decisions. And and yeah, if you make six good decisions, four bad decisions, yes, that's more. And over time that will outweigh, but man, it's a whole lot better or faster if you can go eighty, twenty. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. I think that's your kind of your underlying point is. You don't have to be a perfect decision maker. We all make mistakes. We all know that. It's super easy to say. It's super easy to bob and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's real. We're gonna make mistakes, and I have to remind myself. I can't get myself down and going, oh man. Chaz talks about good decision making. I'm gonna. I'm a loser now. Like, well, no, that's not exactly how it works. Because even in the bad decision, you flip the script to perspective of, well, this is just part of the learning. I actually haven't made a bad decision. I just eliminated. One of the things that I shouldn't do anymore. Thank goodness I now know not to do this anymore. And then I go implement. Not that,
1: right? Yeah. Probably the most important part about that is is the thing that you just said is the implementation or the tracking of the information, right? Right. If you yeah, yeah. know that it was a bad decision, you, you could build a KPI around that. You could you could you could build a uh, SOP around it. Yeah. You could build some sort of performance piece around that that says, oh yeah, don't do this again. That's a really bad idea. Or maybe this is not so bad. So if it happens, there could be some lost lease or something like that. Yeah. You're never going to mitigate all of the bad decisions. The goal right. is that you don't make the bad decision over and over and over and over again. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think also too, your point is just really, really practical. So I want to stay right on it for a second the hunger to know those points so that you don't continue to do them i think is a little bit over or understated because at the end of your projects or for me for a long time with edible arrangements the franchise it was after every major valentine's day we sit down as a team and go okay well how did it go what do we not what do we like what we not like what do we want to repeat what do we want to get rid of for our construction company it's the same we finish a project and it's like what went well, what didn't go well, let's immediately eliminate or create SOPs around these things to keep us away from this. Cause that can't happen ever again. Even in the podcast world or gathering the Kings mastermind, we do an event that day, all the members are leaving and my team is getting together for dinner that day. And we're taking notes and we're, we're dissecting back and forth. What what brought value? What didn't, what do we do next time? what do we like? What do we not? Like all of everything that you just said is super practical, but it's not just doing it, but it's also the speed. Like, do it, do it fast and implement from that plan, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I have a, I have an industry that I was in previously to thank a lot for that because these are very, very short durational projects. You go shut down an oil refinery. They don't want that thing down for very long because it costs a lot of money. That's right. So every action, there's a reaction from it, right? And, and each thing parlays into another thing. And you have to know what those things are to have a successful project.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Okay, I want to go into our speed run here, ask you some questions. You talked about KPIs a few minutes ago. What is the one KPI you would pick to track forever and ever if you could only pick one?
1: Probably, probably time to money.
0: Okay, explain.
1: T- time to money. So like whenever we, I'm going to use construction, for example, on this one whenever we have say we have 10 guys on a project we want to know what the time to money ratio is on on each man or meet each yeah. man hour because we can yeah. we can we can say okay we need 10 million dollars in the pipeline and we need x amount of people to get x amount out the back end right and if we're not tracking time to money there's no way to predict that this year we did Ten million, and next year we're going to do fifteen million. And here's the things that we're going to change to to do fifteen million.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, in essence, it gives you the trackers for kind of like the rest of the formula by base knowing that one KPI, which answers my question. For I think that this applies obviously to to other businesses too. But there's a lot of contractors, commercial guys, even even manufacturing. I think that this would like just super dial in. Give us just a smidge more because I like you've obviously got this dialed in. You have a formula, so I'm, I'm going to try to extract a little bit more knowledge from you. You're talking to somebody that doesn't have a clue what you just said,
1: <laughs> right, right?
0: Help, help okay. them understand and implement it into their business.
1: Yeah, every business is different as far as man hour, so we won't go too deep into like monetary yeah. man hour piece. But yeah.
0: you should know say- that number, is the point. You got to right. get like the listener knows needs to know that number.
1: Yeah, you have to know that number. So let's say that you come to a, a conclusion that 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 man needs to make you, or or needs to gross revenue two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year or something like that. Right. Now you can take that, you can divide it out to by two thousand eighty hours on a if that's the hours that the person is working, and now so, you can know what the production of that person needs to be. Right, like everybody only has so much. Physical capability in their life, like you're never going to take a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar hammer swinger and turn him into a five million dollar hammer swinger, because he just doesn't have that much physical capability, right? Right. You have to take that guy all the way down, and we take I take it down to the minute. So I know every minute that guy's swinging a hammer. We need to get X amount of minutes out of him in order to create that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar or whatever that whatever that number is that we're trying to create in that that year. So you take a big number and you reduce that big number down to smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller increments until you get into literally a minute or an hour, something that's very easily trackable. And then you can check it every day and you can say, Oh, well, Chaz today did, he, he was on the clock for 10 hours and, and we got seven, Seven hours worth of technical billable value out of him, he's 70 percent efficient. So there's a lot of different ways that this can go, but getting down to an incremental amount is is very important, because yeah. now you can start making decisions, well, or, or, or questioning the person and saying, "Oh, do you like painting more than you like sheetrock?" Right. Do you do, you, And then you can start tracking these things, find out where they excel best for themselves, mentally and physically, and also for the company, and you can start steering them in those directions. you can improve, you can improve your, your bottom line at the end of the day. you can improve productivity. So this one KPI allows you to track many, many things. And it creates a deeper company culture, creates a, a better performance from, from the personnel and, and supervisors and all the way, all the way up and down the ladder.
0: Yeah. It makes it pretty transparent. And it also, it also builds in a mindset and culture that the company has to make money. Like some people hear like, oh, well, they're making money on me. It's like, well, I'm not sure how you think this works, but if, The company doesn't make more money than you then they don't have ways to pay other things besides you and it doesn't work although that's super obvious to entrepreneurs like us and maybe the listeners helping giving the listeners a way to communicate that even even though you didn't say those exact words to your guys you're building that into their mindset because otherwise there's nothing there there's no there's no meat on the bone if we're not doing it in the proper
1: efficiency yeah. And that's, that's the first step, right? So you, you have to, you have to put it in a way in which they understand, because if you go to the average employee and just be like, Hey, I need you to make more money for the company. You're going to look right. at you and do whatever. And yeah. probably not going to be a good relationship for a long time. Nope. Uh, so you have to find a way to convey that information and really put it into their hands and then reward on that side too. Right. So whenever that if you're not tracking the KPI, you can't. There's no. There's no way to track how to reward somebody, but reward that good behavior whenever that KPI does change.
0: Yeah, there's alignment there. It gives a pretty good purpose there for them to stay and keeping doing it. If if there's a alignment, it's a win-win. Is really what it comes down to. What what business resource have you used or partaken in? Books that you've read, anything like that that you'd recommend for the listener to to grab?
1: E. Books. So I'm a huge, huge. Book guy. My first year that I decided that I was going to try to parlay out of oil and gas, I actually read and listened to 110
0: business books. Love it. He's a machine.
1: <laughs> so it, was, it, was, it was annoying for everybody around me, except for me, I guess. I actually even, I was in Saudi Arabia at the time. I didn't have my wife and kids. I would listen to books even throughout the night when I slept don't know if that did any good or not, but
0: you know, it didn't hurt you. I know that
1: it it, it definitely didn't hurt. That's awesome. But there, there are some really, really good books out there. And and I I think the first one that I've got a big saying that mindset's everything, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's where most, most answers are lost and is in mindset. People don't think they can do it or they don't think they have what it takes or whatever. So I think sure. mindset's probably the most important thing. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a good book for mindset. There's another one out there by Michael Gerber called The E-Myth. Yeah. This is also another good mindset book. And then Grant Cardone's got, got a couple that are super good for that too. And that's kind of the growth, the growth part. So, Yeah. And, and I would always recommend, and I do recommend those in that exact order. So it kind of takes you from understanding the different mindsets that each individual has and then really right. the growth part. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You did a nice little waterfall there with the books. I like that. I think that the number one, I agree with everything that you just said, but the one thing that I heard you say more than anything was that you have been obsessed about personal development. And I've heard a lot of people say that they are like this. And I think that that's where a lot of. Even our guests probably relate with me or I relate with them because I'm the same way. Not every guest has been like this. I've had some guests say I've never even picked up a book, but I think that there is an appreciation for going to the next level in all areas, but even specifically mindset, because there's just levels upon levels upon levels of understanding not only just the human brain, but also how we make decisions and how those then affect all of the other things. Our personality, your interaction with my personality, what's your personality, or, and or negotiating skills, communication. Like there, you could just, the list goes on and on. And I just don't know. I was going to say, I don't know if I'll ever master those things. I don't know if I want to master them because I love the idea of going after it every
1: day. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I really don't have anything else to say there. You're right. Yeah. There's, a, there's like a hunger
0: that guys like you and I develop around. I was thinking about it actually this morning, believe it or not. I had this crazy routine. I get up and from five to eight is my like window of time in the morning. I got a little bit of time in there with breakfast kids, but basically I'm either reading or reading a visualization or praying, meditating on the things that I want or that I'm working through or I'm listening to motivational stuff while working out or I'm listening to a book. All of that happens like in sequential order and then boom, I get on my first eight o'clock call and i'm just like fired up every single day ready to do it like i if i could just do that over and over again and not even have to do the work stuff
1: i i just love developing my mind i do too i do a I do a ton of podcasts i was i was just on one right before this i've got another one this afternoon after this and, and love I it. Love, love doing networking events and stuff if i could figure out a way that that i never had to do anything except for that part just engage in really good conversation that's right and and grow the mind and help grow other people i would just do that for the rest of my life
0: yeah well start a podcast and and that might you might just get your (laughs) dream there because i've recorded a ton and i've had a lot of people like straight in my eyes ask what are you doing how do you do it there's so many we record we release one every single day so it's like that's 365 recordings this year that's three times more than the top 10% of all podcasts are going to do. Right. Once you get past episode 20, you're basically a rock star. But anyway, the point is, is that you can love the development. And I think that obviously having conversations is a big part of, you know, what I love as well. That's why I even do this to begin with. But all of those book reading, talking with people, networking, all those things, I think once you understand the value of just those higher level activities, I think it's pretty spot on. I want to bring our attention back to, to family. and And as we kind of bring to a close here. This is going to be interesting because you and I align in so many areas when it comes to personal development and then just obviously as we've built businesses and real estate and stuff, but my belief is that there is no balance, like that it's a myth. I I was arguing, not really, but having a heated discussion with somebody about this a couple days ago, but the reality of it is that it doesn't exist. And even if we do obtain balance, it's like just for a couple of seconds as we're teetering. And so what, what I believe is that we're obsessively going after the things that we want and people do what they want. This is what mindset is in a nutshell, even based on thinking we're rich. And so you and I have been obsessed about our family or our, sorry, our business. That's how we've been successful. You've talked about the hours and the books and the decision-making, but I want to know how you've been obsessed with your family at the same time, because I believe you can do it at the same time. And I want to know how you've done it.
1: Yeah. So you definitely can. and And it is this like balancing act or there's We've tried to set a schedule around it, which yeah. has, for us, never really worked super, super well because stuff just comes up. You yeah. never know when when you have that construction issue that comes up or you have that investor call that comes up. And, and so it's very hard to put something on a calendar that every day at one o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to do this thing for us, but at the same time, like, we may say, okay, let's go for a walk, like right after this or whatever. We're just going to do it. And that's not planned or anything. Sure. Just do that kind of stuff. Or, or like the, we may say, okay, well, we're going to go out West for a month and everybody's like, okay, well, when did that come up? Oh, like yesterday. (laughs) Just now. Yeah. And we work through this all the time. Me, and my wife and my kids, it's like, okay, well, it's getting, it's getting pretty tough that right now we, we, we haven't done a lot of things in the last X amount of time. And then we'll just, we'll just do it. Yeah. But I think finding daily things is, is very, very important. And uh, so we, we try to do little, little things every day that, that just kind of keep that connection. Yeah. I think
0: you gave a really good picture there of that. There have to be regular things as well as just the spontaneous, let's just go figure it out somewhere. There's joy in both of those ones, obviously more routine and builds differently than the other, but in, inside of that practical every day, like for us, that's dinner time. I have a routine with the kids every single night that we go through date nights with my wife. What are, what are some, maybe some of yours that are maybe on the more of the
1: regular examples? Yeah. So my son, he's a aspiring singer, like I, like I said, so he's doing shows almost every single weekend. So we're doing Love that it. thing. So it's kind of cool. We get, we're going to different events and stuff like that pretty much every weekend. And then the weekends that we have off, we do a lot of outdoor activities. So we try to, we try to go on those and do those like this last weekend when we went kayaking. So nice. Know, we try to open up our weekends a little bit to, to just us.
0: Yeah. It's cool, man. I got one last question here for you, Brian. I want to know if you had the opportunity to go back in time and whisper in the younger Brian's ear what would you say
1: that's a good one i'd probably just say go for it I
0: just, yeah. just go for it what do you think that the younger bryant needed in that whisper that that he didn't have that you'd be given to him
1: well i think i think as a young person first of all you don't know you, you don't know what you don't know right and, and then you also don't maybe don't have the confidence or don't know if it's going to work out and that was probably my biggest holdback from, from everything that I ever didn't do was just knowing what the outcome of that was. And as you get a little bit older and you start realizing that maybe the outcome may not be exactly what you paint your picture to be, right. there's still going to be an outcome. And, and the more outcomes that you can, you can create in your life, the more clear the picture at the end really is.
0: Yeah, it's good, man. I think that uh, that ties a nice little bow on everything that you've given to us so far. I think it actually describes you a lot, even though maybe you would have been whispering that to the younger you, I think that you've been able to still do it. I think even just understanding that if the listener can, can get inside of that construct that I just built there of your story i think that that transfers hope more than you being able to actually go back and whisper because you freaking did it yeah well it's been a pleasure having you here man i want to know how the listener can can connect with you number one because you have opportunities to invest so if they're listening right now and they want to get into real estate themselves as an investor or potentially other ways they need to be able to reach you that way and then in addition maybe they just want to network with you Maybe there's a deal you guys can do together. Maybe there's something in another way that they want to connect on. How can they find you?
1: Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a really great place to connect with me. And then you can also get a hold of me on my website, which is ingramcapital.fund.
0: Perfect. Awesome, man. We'll put all that in the show notes. I love your mindset. I love your intensity, really. I can tell that we're going to run together and do things for the future in some capacity of some degree. So we'll have to figure out what that is. But thanks for being here, man. Blessings on upon your, your family and all of your properties, everything you get
1: your hand to, man. I appreciate you. Chaz, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.